Welcome to the SoCal Hymns podcast series. This is Sarah Richardson, and today we are featuring a conversation with Tom Stafford. Tom Stafford is the Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Halifax Health. Tom joined the organization more than 11 years ago after a decade working as an engineer and product developer in the medical device industry. A veteran of the U.S. Navy, Tom holds a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and a master's degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Central Florida. He is also a certified project management professional with more than 20 years of experience managing technically complex projects. In addition, he holds his Greenbelt Six Sigma certification. Responsible for overall leadership in every IT initiative at Halifax Health, Tom blends his engineering experience and optimizing processes and systems with his management skills for mentoring and coaching staff. In doing so, he has created a culture that has put the hospital on Computer World Magazine's best places to work in IT four years in a row. In addition, Tom won a 2017 Computer World Premier 100 Award for his leadership and innovative approaches and was named one of the top 105 CIOs to watch in 2018 by Becker's Healthcare. Tom, thank you so much for being on our show today to talk about the 10 leadership principles about how to transform your organization and, and what you did in your, in your team. And more than anything, uh, tell me about the genesis of the principles and really what they are. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me today. Um, I'm really excited about talking about this because um, if someone follows some of these principles, it'll help improve your IT department. And when you're talking about a genesis, um, I didn't wake up one morning and come up with these 10 principles. It was actually a look back when we realized we were doing really good things that, um, where these principles came from. So really, the genesis really started for us about seven years ago. Um, and back then in my IT department, IT didn't like IT. The organization didn't like IT. No one trusted IT. There was rampant shadow IT everywhere. Uh, we had super low leadership assessment scores, and we even had like a, an aging infrastructure. And probably the worst thing about it was our turnover rate was about 30%. And that was uh, pretty bad because for us, that was about two um, staff every one to two months. And when you have that sort of turnover, it's really a downward spiral because the work doesn't go away. So if someone leaves because they're not happy, you still have all this work that has to be done. And so like most leaders do, you look at your most efficient employees that do a great job and you give them that work. And then they, that employee starts getting a little upset because they have double workload and there's, they're good for a reason because they, they try to get everything done. So then they try to still be successful with all this workload. And it's trying on them. And then you, you hire somebody to replace this person that left. Then you take that great employee that you now double the workload and say, you know what? You're a teacher. And then you have that employee then teach the new person how to do their job. And sometimes that actually makes that good employee leave. And so it's hard to get out of that spiral. But um, we were able to do it. And uh, really, I'd say the winds of change that we had um, about I'd say about six years ago was uh, my CIO uh, left, and then as a director, I was in mostly in charge of IT. And my new uh, leader, when I met with him, I already knew him at the hospital, but he told me that I was a service organization, and the only reason that IT was there was to make sure that the nurses and physicians had the support they needed to do their job. Interesting enough, I'd never ever heard that before um, in my former IT department. And instead it was, hey, let's go ahead and put this in. If there's a little pain, so what? They'll get through with it. And so that was really how we uh, changed our focus. And if I fast forward to today, um, now our attrition rate's less than 5%. We've been named uh, the best place to work in IT by Computer World the last four years in a row. 
We were number 10th, 2nd, 5th, and 5th. And we even have able to uh, achieve a lot of awards at the hospital around customer service. And now our leadership assessment scores, when they used to be red and all the way to the left, are now outliers on the right and they're totally green. And we really created a highly functioning team. And probably the best thing is the turnover. Um, being down less than 5% has really helped us. And so uh, we about, it was probably like three years ago when we realized, wow, no one's leaving anymore. And then we were, we were able to do things a lot more efficient. And then my leaders and I kind of looked back and said, well, what are we doing different? And then we came up with these principles. And there's 10 of them. And so I'm going to go through them for you right now. Um, and I'll give a little example of each when we go through them. So the first thing as a leader, and this is, I follow these and my leadership team follows these too, is you have to be accessible. And what I mean by accessible is that if a team member needs you, you have to be able to respond to them very quickly. Now in IT, there's many channels of communication. So still there's the open door, you know, the verbal method, but text, instant message, email, a call, whatever it is, if they really need you, you have to be accessible for them. And being accessible builds trust and essentially the team member feels you got you, you have their back. Um, the next principle is to be visible. So this means walking around and talking to your, your team members and to make sure you're there. And so I kind of keep a mental note in my mind that I see all my team members within a two-week period, kind of a rolling two-week period. And the other thing, too, is when I see them, it's not to go and tell them to do something. It's just to talk to them and see how they're doing, um, see how they're, um, what their focus points are on as far as in IT and things like that. And uh, you can really see a difference if you're not visible. And if you think about it, like if uh, you don't go to one of your work units for like three months or so and you show up, human nature and reaction is going to be, why is Tom here? Is he firing somebody? Did we do something wrong? And uh, and that, you know, that that. Um, makes folks apprehensive and stuff. So you have to really be visible enough for your team members are used to you. And then that makes life a lot easier. Uh, next is to be approachable. And what I mean by approachable is uh, kind of being willing to roll up your, your sleeves and work next to your team members. So even though I'm the CIO at the hospital, I still stand IT manager on call. I come in and I do server patching. Um, if we have a down, which is very rarely these days, I come into and I'm there with the teams. I can't do anything. I'm, they're the ones that are actually doing all the good work. I'm just there for motivation. And even at server patching, I, I don't server patch, but I'm there with them. And if they need me, um, I can do that. And then the other thing, too, is I still park in the parking garage. Um, I could have a special place closer to the hospital because of my title. But um, I park in the parking garage because every once in a while I get a gift and I get to walk in with one of my team members. And we get a good 10, 15 minute conversation early in the day. Stress hasn't started yet. And, um, it's, it's just really good. And so that's what I really mean by being approachable. And then, again, this makes people more relaxed with you around. Then our next principle is to be consistent. And first and foremost, you have to be consistent with the above three uh, leadership principles I just spoke about. Um, and in addition to that, um, you also have to always show a consistent behavior to your team members. So if you, uh, you know, so if a team member comes up to you and they don't know if they're getting happy Tom, angry Tom, or deadpan Tom just because of my mood of the day, uh, they're not going to come up to you. And the approachability is going to go south quickly because they don't know who they're getting. And so I always make it a mental note to always be happy Tom that's full of optimism of all the great things we're going to do at the hospital when I'm around my team members. 
everybody has a bad day, including me. And so when that happens, I just essentially hide in my office because I don't want my uh, team members to ever see that sort of behavior. Then the next thing, and probably the most hardest principle, is to create connections. And the connections I'm talking about here are not work-related connections because there's a thousand of those. But um, if you spend enough time with a team member, you're going to find some commonality between them. Be it, your most, it could be a hobby. It could be um, family-related things. It could be sports, whatever it is. Um, if you spend time, you're going to figure out some commonality. And the great thing about that is it's always a good icebreaker when you go talk to an employee or a team member. And then it's also those connections help you, you know, in your mind, learn more stuff about your team members. And it's good to remember that. So when you go talk to them, you can say, um, and a great example is one of my team members, we have a, it's kind of just like a thing we do, who's Tanner in the summertime? And she just went down to the Keys and she came back and she was very happy to show me that she was Tanner and me because she had been in a boat for seven days. And then she mentioned something about they were lobstering, but she didn't get any lobster from the group. And so that was like two weeks ago. Then yesterday I saw her when I was uh, walking into work and I'm like, Hey, did you, did you ever get any of that lobster? And then she's like, yeah, I did. But what that does is she's like, wow, Tom actually remembered stuff that we talked about. So he cares about me. And so those are the type of connections I'm talking about. Uh, the next is to, I got this from my uh, Navy days, but in the Navy it was called keep it simple, sailor or kiss. And so just to keep it simple. And so I'm a little different than I think most CIOs is I don't have a lot of strategy documents. Um, the government's been kind enough to tell me what to do when it comes to an electronic health record and quality. And uh, so I have that strategy, but it's really not mine. And then I do have a strategy around a risk management plan because uh, obviously cybersecurity is something we all have to um, take care of and follow and plan for. And then I also have a refresh schedule of my gear. But outside of that, that's about it. And so how I actually run IT is by uh, four core objectives. <clears throat> and uh, what those objectives are is uh, first is customer service. And what I obviously mean by customer service is to be kind, respectful, courteous on the phone, own a problem, provide feedback, and own it to the end, even if you have to hand it off. But in addition to that, you know, especially because we work in healthcare, um, we don't talk tech to our customer base. I have 3,000 nurses that are my customers, and they don't understand technology, but they know how to care for a patient, and they can comfort a patient make them feel better. So when we talk to them, we make sure we talk to their level, because if we talk tech, it actually, uh, they get embarrassed, they get defensive, then they don't tell us what the problem is, we can't solve it. And so one other item of customer service is we never say no on IT. Um, there is a thousand ways to solve every issue that comes forward in IT. And so we always work with our customers. To, uh, if we can't give them exactly what they want, and this happens especially on the cybersecurity side of things, uh, we give them options of things we can do for them that are pretty close to what they wanted. And that's important because if we say no, A, it's terrible customer service, but B, they're going to try to do it anyhow. And if they do create something, um, there's a 100% chance it's going to affect my serviceability to the organization. And there's also a chance that that could make us more vulnerable to uh, cyber attacks. So we always uh, make sure we don't say no to our customers. So our second objective in IT is to maintain operational stability, <clears throat> which is a uh, very fancy word for keeping the lights on. Um, hospitals are 24-7 operations, so our IT systems and applications have to be up 24-7. 
So we do a lot of things behind the scenes to make sure that our uh, systems are always up. Our third objective, and probably my most favorite, is to enhance operational and strategic initiatives. And that's another really fancy word for making things better. And so on the strategic side, when we build a new hospital or we acquire offices, we'll essentially Halifaxize them and come in with our network gear and our security appliances and our devices and just uh, through scale expand our perimeter around these uh, sites. But on the operational side, um, essentially uh, healthcare IT came up in silos. And so we tend to focus on intraoperability. And what that is, is, is actually connecting systems together in the hospitals. Um, there's lots of golden data, but they're in different systems, just the way that we evolved in healthcare IT. And thank God they came out with APIs, or APIs finally got the healthcare. Um, so what we really focus on for innovation is connecting these systems, utilizing APIs, and getting the right data together, and using some next-generation uh, clinical decision support system to give some actual knowledge to the clinician. And then from that, uh, we have a very wide clinical communication network, and we use Vocera for it, so the communication goes right to the caregiver. So we can send out very specific alerts to the caregiver and actually focus on keeping them away from computers and, uh, and, and closer to the patient. And so then our final objective in IT is to um, protect our patient's information, and everybody takes part in that. And so... That's what we do, and we keep it simple. And so if I, I'm talking to one of my team members and they're doing one of those objectives, I say good. If they're doing two or three, I say great. And if they're doing all four, I tell them they're a rock star um, because they're meeting the needs of the organization. And it also gives them the ability to make decisions uh, without having to go to their managers because they know if they're, as long as they're focused on our objectives, they're doing the right thing for the organization and for the, um, to move IT forward. So back to the uh, principles. So now we're on number six, and it's uh, always listen. And this is a hard one, especially in IT these days, because we're so connected to devices. But uh, if I have a team member that comes to uh, my office and wants to talk to me, the first thing I do is I turn my phone upside down, and I turn away from my computer, and I give them my full attention. Um, that's out of respect for their time, and obviously it's something that's so important that they've decided they need to speak to me about that I should be paying full attention to what they are doing, not typing an email at the same time. Now, we're all busy, obviously, and so, and I might be just in time preparing for something prior to a meeting that may be in 10 minutes from when that team member walks into my office. And if that happens, then I just tell them, like, hey, I'm like, uh, hey, John, I'm, I got a meeting in 10 minutes. I cannot talk right now. Uh, but what's your schedule like the last today? When can we get back together? And uh, so that's very important. And it's also to do that, too, in meetings, which is very hard. But um, you always want to respect who's talking. And so the best way to do that is to put down the phone and turn away from the computer. computer. Um, our seventh principle is uh, be a storyteller. And what I mean by that is uh, when you tell stories, you actually inspire your team members. And the stories we tell are really how whatever they're doing um, fits into the big piece of the pie called healthcare. Because everything we do in IT today, um, it directly affects patient care in a good way. And uh, so those, those are the stories we tell. And what that does is actually inspire them to do more. Um, our ninth principle is celebrate successes. And when you celebrate successes, this is motivation, hands down. Um, you got to be careful on this one, though, because uh, if you point out an introvert in a department meeting and say, oh, my God, she did an amazing job. Everybody clapped their hands. 
uh, what you've done actually is to motivate that person instead of uh, motivating them because they don't want to be the center of attention. All they want is a handshake between you and that person saying, great job, thank you very much. And so back to uh, making connections, you really have to figure out what motivates your team members and then use that when you celebrate successes. And our final pr principle is show them a future. Um, we do a lot of hiring from within in IT. Um, if I have a department meeting and I have everybody, I say, hey, who worked at the service desk, raise their hands. Um, there would be a good 40 to 45% of the staff that actually used to work at the service desk. I have amazing stories where a service desk tech started work for us and now he's our web designer. I have another service desk tech that actually worked his way up to be our network architect. I have a tech that is now actually a leader. Um, it just goes on and on. I have a tech that actually became like a team lead on the service desk and then they moved over to be an analyst and now they're, then they became a project analyst and then now they're a full-blown project engineer and, and doing amazing things at the hospital. And so uh, the great thing about those 10 principles is essentially what it gives us. And I'd say what it gives us is uh, trust and confidence. And that's really a two-way street because the team members trust and are confident in you and and you are also trusting and confident in them. And then the real nirvana is engagement, empowerment, and retention. And uh, you can do some pretty amazing things uh, once you get through all this and you have a staff that works well together. And uh, I'd say probably the neatest thing about that, and this is what we noticed a few years ago, is because we didn't have a lot of folks that were leaving, everyone knew everyone's strengths and weaknesses. So if they had to address an issue, they knew who to go to that would be the strongest person to help them solve that problem. So still to this day, if I see a, a analyst and a sysadmin in the hallway talking together, I'm like, they're solving a problem I didn't even know existed. And that problem obviously is uh, could eventually affect uh, IT and patient care. So it's pretty amazing. You know, you've literally just written a book. Like what I love is like, that is the outline. Like if I was a publisher right now, I would be like, can you put all that on paper and an outline and here's your contract? Like everything you've mentioned, Tom, is so pivotal in how we build and maintain and create these amazing IT organizations throughout our hospitals and care settings that I hope that this is on your radar to put into publication at some interval. I've actually thought about it because it doesn't have to be a big book, but it's, it's, it's simple principles. And, and, you know, I learned how to lead when I was in the Navy, and then when I was an engineer, and I became a chief engineer. And some leaders are born, but a lot of leaders have to learn. And so over time, we've developed these. I wish I would have known these. I wish I would have had these guiding principles when I first went in the Navy. I would have been more successful and things like that. And so uh, I have actually thought about that. It would be a good uh, thing. And that's another beauty thing about healthcare, right, is that we're also sharing, and even like these podcasts you do, um, when I was in engineering and manufacturing, at, um, the first 10 years of my career, I designed medical devices. Uh, we didn't share with anyone because it was your intellectual property. And if you shared that, you could literally go out of business. And then when I came over to healthcare, I'm like, wow, everybody helps everybody. And so I do want to, and that's why I want to do this podcast with you today and, uh, and to keep talking more about that because um, there's a, a lot of value when you take the time to do this. And it took time. I mean, it, it was a few years worth of work to really kind of turn the ship and to kind of get us on the pathway and to tweak it and tune it to where we are today. And uh, where we are today <clears throat> helps us greatly because 
we're not band-aiding. Uh, we have a super um, stable infrastructure, and we have a very stable workforce. So instead of band-aiding things or filling in holes because people left, uh, we get to focus on the future, and we get to focus on those four objectives. And the, the real future for us is uh, innovation, and it's innovation around how we keep the systems up 24-7, how we improve customer service. And then my third objective is really pure innovation. And then also innovative ways that we can uh, make sure that we safeguard you know, our patients' information that they entrust to us when they come to the hospital. So thanks. Uh, if you know any publishers, let me know. Yeah. No, actually, I, well, I've got a few of my friends who've uh, published books. And actually, our second podcast was Andrew Carr, and he was a self-published author uh, on the Humility Imperative, uh, one of our most popular podcasts. So yes, I love to connect um, different speakers and, and colleagues throughout the industry. So when you think about these principles, are they equally important, or do you find that certain ones present themselves more often? I'd say one of the most important ones is to show them a future. Um, the reason why is that healthcare is not the highest paying IT jobs. You know, I have amazing people that work with me that could make more money somewhere else. Or I have folks that are just starting out in the industry and they could, they could hop jobs out of the healthcare industry and, and make more money. Um, but, you know, having all those examples of folks that have, literally start at the service desk and moved on to great positions. Um, it tends to keep people at the service desk because they want to be able to move up in the organization. Um, I even have like interns that have heard these stories and they, they apply for us. And these are, I mean, non-paying internship jobs, but their goal is actually to be an intern and get hired as a service desk tech and then kind of move up in the organization. So that, that one's very important. Um, ones that come up often and very frequent are being accessible, visible, and approachable, and making those connections. I mean, those have to happen every couple of days with your team members, and you have to, you know, it's it's a constant thing. And literally, half of my job is talking to my folks, and to, and, and when you're talking to them, you know, you talk about your connections, but, and they tell you what you're doing, and then you kind of just realign what they're doing to the four objectives we have. And I'll make those statements like that is great. You are totally helping us with you know, uh, maintaining operational stability. So stay on that track. And so just that weaving in the conversation um, is very important. And I'd say those are the most frequent ones that all of our leaders do. And also it's great to, uh, you know, celebrate successes. And uh, But those are normally milestone type things we do. So those don't happen as much. So when do you know if it's time to update or revisit them? Like when do they become stale or is it time to think about hey, one of these needs to swap out or does the 10 become 12? How do you evaluate that cycle? I haven't had to evaluate it yet. And I always think, and I, I think about it a lot. And I'm like, are these approaches still valid with everything we do? And so far they have been. And uh, I do meet my leaders on more like a quarterly basis. And we talk about things and, and focus on um, on this. And, uh, and so we've been able to kind of maintain this and and I I do have a couple metrics that help me to know if, if I need to change them. Um, one is uh, we do assess all leaders through the, all the team members assess leadership, and those are there's a lot of questions about engagement and uh, empowerment and retention, and so when I get those results, I can see if what we're doing is still effective. Um, if we are not named the best place to work in IT next year, obviously I'm doing something wrong, and I need to address that. And then even um, uh, through the culture of safety initiative that Joint Commission has is another survey 
um, of my team members, more around safety and culture. But I utilize those metrics to really to make sure that this is good, this is where we should stay, or do we need to correct or not? So I haven't had to do it yet, but those are my metrics to make sure that I'm on the right track. So you mentioned culture, and culture really is everything on a team. How do these principles differentiate IT, and has it become a blueprint for other departments within your hospital? I've actually, I, I've spoke, we have a leadership academy um, at Halifax, and so I've spoken about this to the, the first time I did it was, it was, I was the keynote at graduation, and so I went through all this, and it was very receptive. So now when we have our academies, I, I speak about this once a year to them. And I have seen, um, I have leaders that come to me and ask me, and, and I've seen them starting to use some of these principles in their workplace. And I would say it has created a very um, consistent and strong foundational culture in IT. Um, everybody works together well. And, but it, it, and, and it's really that because IT, we're always, we're tinkerers, right? We always fix things and we're trying to make things better. And when you have a culture that that's all we're focused on, um, it, it really works well. And I'll give you one example too, is this is uh, something that I did, I guess about five years ago. And it wasn't me that did, it was actually an ask from our capital investment committee. Uh, they wanted everyone to be able to um, plan their capital expenses for the next five years. And so I have project managers, right? So that's easy for us to do that. And so we planned it out and we actually level loaded our expense. And it was to refresh all of the tech gear. I mean, everything from computers to WoWs to storage to servers to core switch. I mean, everything. And we created standard refresh rates. And then we took our time and we were able to move things around. The first couple of years was difficult. But after that, we were able to move things around. And we have a very consistent spend year over year when it comes to capital for infrastructure. And kind of the, this, how I sold it to the capital committee is like, if y'all let me purchase this stuff, um, we won't go down. And and that's been, we've our metrics for downtime are stellar. Um, my team members hate when I talk about this. And if they were on the call right now, they were going to be, I'm jinxing them. But uh, our metrics are amazing. And But then we had this, we had another thing that came out of this that I didn't even know was going to happen. And it was, it's, it's awesome. And what it was is back to, uh, you know, tech guys, if they're working on an old storage array and we're not replacing it, first, um, their careers is going to get stagnant because they're no longer getting education. And, you know, if you don't stay within the mainstream of IT within, you know, a year or two, you are a dinosaur. And so that you got the storage engineer and he's always working on this old stand that's, and that's what he's assigned to. And it's getting older and older and he's not getting educated, so he's not happy. And every day he's got to band-aid this thing together. And um, and then he keeps telling us that, hey, you got to replace it. Hey, you got to replace it. And then we can't for whatever reason. And then, you know, after about a month of that, he hates the storage array. After about two months of that, he thinks that we don't listen to him. So then he hates his job. And then in about three months, he leaves. And so by us having um, refreshing our gear on a consistent rate, uh, that doesn't happen because we're not band-aiding. What we're actually doing is enhancing all the stuff we put in place and improving our QoS and things like that. And everybody stays current in education, so they're happy and they don't want to leave. And that's probably the first, when we really started looking at our metrics, we noticed our attrition in the tech side kind of went away. And it was really based on that. And so uh, that was, uh, I kind of I kind of segued a little bit there, but just things like that helped too. And uh, 
And so we have a culture of we don't have the we don't have the bleeding edge technology, but we have the right gear that's supported in the hospital and does things well. Um, IT is always on, obviously, and so we're always watching things. But pretty much everybody knows when they go to work at, um, every day that one of our team members is going to do something to help help improve healthcare through information technology. For teams that are struggling in this space, where do you recommend starting? Uh, you got to start by talking to your people. You have to. It's not becoming their friend, but you have to be available for them um, because the struggles are real. And if you don't talk to them, you're never going to know what where the struggles are at. Um, that's one thing I didn't talk about. There was, you know, we fixed things along the way we had to. And so this is kind of where we're at today. But first and foremost, um, leaders have to spend time with their team members and listen to them. And then they're going to understand what the true problems are. And then leaders help you know, break down those barriers and solve those problems. And then you can start focusing on either coming up with your own principles or uh, continue on the ones I've talked about. So what do you think has been the most unexpected benefit of this work? I don't know if it was unexpected, but what it allows us to do is to innovate. And so we have um, done some very innovative things at Halifax. And the reason why we can do that is because my analysts and my sysadmins and my tech guys, they're not trying to band-aid and keep things uh, working. And so when I go back to my uh, four core objectives, one of them is really innovation. And so my team members come up with great ideas and they know that they're not going to get shot down because we love ideas and we put a lot of these ideas in place. And probably one of the most unique ones um, still to this day was uh, we partnered with uh, Walters Kluwer and vocera and we uh um, everybody understands what sepsis is in a hospital and sepsis is really about understanding someone has it and then and then resolving it through the proper protocols and so we chose a sepsis bundle as our first bundle payment and we needed a better way to alert that someone had sepsis and so my team members were able to make it so we could connect Walter's Kluwer through APIs and our integration engine directly to Vocera badges. So in the hospital today, we send about 250 data points per patient up to the cloud, and it's the Walter's Kluwer cloud, and this product is a very complex um, decision tree, and it looks at um, lab values over time, it does natural language processing, and it can actually predict if someone is sepsis or not. And as soon as it makes that um, prediction that the patient is septic, um, it kicks off an alert directly to the patient's nurse, CNA, and our sepsis care team. And then they go in and um, evaluate the patient to see if uh, the, the system was right. And so that's what I call predictive alerting. And alerting is important to me. It's better than analytics because it needs to go right to the caregiver. And then my team's thought of something even better was like, well, you know what? There's all this good information in this Walters Kluwer product that actually tells you what the next protocol um, needs to be for this patient. And so this wasn't me. This is my team members. And what they came up with was, hey, why don't we make it so when the, the care team acknowledges the sepsis alert, if the information that's in this Walters Kluwer system is simple enough to send over the badge, we'll just send the next protocol right over the batch, which is the Vocera badge. And so we do that today. And it's pretty amazing because, again, 
a nurse didn't have to go back to the computer to see what they're doing next. We're actually telling her what to do on a communication system that is on a lanyard around her neck or a clip to her uh, uniform. So those are probably the neatest things that we've done, and, and we have more, more more examples, and we focus on doing that every day. You know, and one of our guiding principles really is to uh, do this clinical efficiency and, and actually keep the caregivers away from the computers, and what that does is allows them to spend more time with their patients. Well, Tom, it's obvious why you are one of the best places to work in IT for over four years in a row. And our listeners are going to want to reach out and connect with you and learn more about all the things that you've done over your last 11 years with Halifax Health. What is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, Email me, tom.stafford at halifax.org. Halifax is H-A-L-I-F-A-X. And of course, for our listeners as well who are involved in Hymns and Chime, Tom will be a featured speaker at the Chime Fall Forum in San Diego, uh, November of 2018 this year. And of course, Hymns uh, is always the place where you can find all of us uh, in February of 2019 in Orlando this coming year. Tom, thank you for being on the program today. It's been a pleasure and a joy, and I look forward to uh, future conversations with you. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to uh, talk about these principles and you know, if a couple of people pick these up and they make their healthcare IT organizations better, that's all I can ask for. And that, that'll be pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the SoCal Hymns podcast series. Special thanks to Esteban Perano, our audio and mixing engineer, for helping us to produce our podcast series.